morning, Priscilla. I always love Priscilla's responses. So we're going to be continuing along with our Andrew Walmack series. And today it's going to be on identity in Christ. And so I'm going to hop in and because there's just a lot here to talk about. So it starts off by reading 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The phrase in Christ is a terminology that is used over 300 times in the New Testament, always referring to a vital union relationship with God. Once that takes place, you become a new creature. Some translations actually say a new creation. And this leads to a critical issue that, um, that's imperative to understand in understanding your new identity in Christ. It did not take place in the physical realm, which goes very much hand in hand with what we've been learning about lately, that there's a spirit realm and there's a flesh realm. And becoming a new identity, becoming a new creation, it's not something that happens in the flesh realm. It happens in the spirit realm. It isn't talking about your physical body, saying that it completely changes or that your looks change. If a person was fat before they were saved, they'll still be fat afterwards unless they go on a diet. It also isn't talking about your mental or emotional part, what most people consider to be the real them. If you, and my, our friend Ted Shuttlesworth, I've heard him say this a lot, if you were stupid before you got saved, you're going to be stupid after you got saved. And that's what Andrew actually says here. If you weren't too smart before you were saved, you won't be too smart after you're saved. But you will have a lot of the same memories and thoughts. There's a third part, and according to this scripture, by process of elimination, it has to be the part of us that is changed, our spirit man. A scripture that verifies this is 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where Paul is praying for the Thessalonians. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That passage shows that we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. The body part is very obvious. It's the part of us that's seen as our outward presence. We all recognize that there is another part beyond that, our emotional and our mental part, which the scripture calls a soul. We know that even though a person may not physically touch us, they can touch you by their words in either a positive or negative way. Most people are in tune with the physical and soulish parts, but according to scripture, there is another part, which is the spirit. The spirit is the part of us that is changed and is new after salvation. It is actually the life-giving part. In James 2.26, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That shows that it is the spirit that actually breathes life into our physical bodies, which is actually something that Pastor Brian talked about this past Wednesday. When, at, when God breathed into Adam, he became alive. And that shows that in the spirit, it actually breathes life into our physical bodies. It is where our life comes from. In Genesis 2, when God created Adam and Eve, Adam's body was complete, but then God breathed into him the breath of life. And the word breathe in the Old Testament Hebrew was the exact same word that we use for the word breath. 
and it is translated spirit in other places. God created the physical body and the soulish person of Adam, but then he breathed the breath of life into him, and he became a living soul. The spirit is the part of us that gives us life. Prior to salvation, before a person makes a total commitment of their life so that the Lord came into them, the spirit within them was dead. So if we have the three parts, if we have the body, and we have the soul, and we have the spirit, before you become one with Jesus, before you ask him to be your Lord and Savior, you still have all three parts, but your soul or but your spirit is a dead spirit. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. We know we were made alive before we were born again. But the word dead is speaking of spiritually. Death in the Bible doesn't mean ceasing to exist. As some people today think of it, it literally means separation. When a person physically dies... They don't cease to exist. The Bible teaches that they go immediately either into the presence of God or they go immediately into the presence of hell. The soul and spirit continue to live, but there is is a separation from the physical body which dies and decays. When Genesis 2.17 says, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It didn't mean that they would die physically, but that they would die spiritually. And that's where they got tripped up. Eve heard that, and she's like, well, I'm going to die. And she ate it, and it was almost a, ha, 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 I didn't die. You're wrong. But she did. There was that separation that immediately happened between her and God. The spirit, the part that God breathes into us, which actually gives life and motivation, became separated from God's supernatural life his holy and complete life, and what the Bible calls Zoe life, or life in an, absol- or in, a, in an absolute or abundant sense. Man then began to degenerate. He still functioned, but he was functioning independently, separately from God. And that's really what causes all of our problems in our lives is all of our emotional stress. Because emotional stress comes when we're walking separately from God. When a person comes to the Lord, they receive a new spirit and are born again. Which is the terminology John, Jesus uses in John 3, 5. In the same way man is born physically with the spirit, soul, and body, when he is born again, he receives the spirit of Christ. Galatians 4, 6 says, and because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. God literally places his spirit inside of us, and we now have a new quality of life, a new identity, and are a totally new person in our spirits. The rest of the Christian life, and I thought this was so cool, The rest of the Christian life is learning in your soulish and mental realm what has taken place in your spirit. The truth is that one-third of your salvation is over with as soon as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your spirit becomes completely changed, 
totally changed. It's the exact same spirit you're going to have when you go and live with God. Your spirit does not change. It already has love. It already has joy. It already has peace. And it already has the fullness of Christ. There is no lack, no inadequacy in your spirit, but you have to perceive that, which is the reason studying the word of God is so vital to your Christian life because you're a totally brand new person. But until you get knowledge, or as we've said here, until you get rhema on that, you're not going to change. Victory in the Christian life comes when you're able to look into the word, which is spirit and life, see who you are, see what God has done, and begin to believe it. And see, for me, when I was studying that, I think one of the things that stuck out the most for me was what we've been talking about lately, is going back to the difference between spirit life and the world and the flesh and things of that nature. Because for me, when I heard that, him breaking it down like that into the soulish part of you, the emotional or mental part of you, so many people, I know that I've heard it, so many people have said, well, your experiences are what makes or breaks you, what you've done in your life or what is what's going to formulate you. But that's not true. I mean, yeah, you have experiences and you have things that you've gone through, but who you are as a person, who you're called to be, that's all real in the spirit. That's all in and answered in the spirit of God, your, your mental and emotional and physical state, that needs to line up with the spirit of who you are in order for it to be God. See, I could get super mad up here, and I could get offended by something that Abby says to me. I could get, she could tell me that I look ugly today or whatever, and I could get all offended, and I could be hurt, and I could get really sad about that. But that's the emotional part of me getting sad and getting frustrated and getting offended. Whereas the spirit part of me knows, you know, if Abby says that, that means that something's happened to her today and she doesn't have the love of God flowing through her properly. How can I minister to her? And see, we have these three separate parts and two of them are constantly fighting for our attention and they're not really who we are. Because though God's created our emotions and though God's created our likes and dislikes, to a degree the world's created that as well. And until we get in the word and dig into the word and find out who we really are in God, we're, we're going to constantly be fighting. But the word clearly defines who we're called to be. We're to be love, we're to be joy, we're to be peace, we're to be patience. So that for me was one of the coolest parts. So we're going to get into some questions because I'm sure that Pastor Brian has stuff to talk about. So I need, I need a volunteer to answer something for me. And anyone at all? Something. I feel like the word something calls for bravery. So Jeffrey, thank you for volunteering right there. And I need one, two, three, four more people. Please put your hands up. I appreciate you, JD. One, two more. Priscilla and Chris. Perfect. Jeff, if you could please come up, and Nicole, if you will put up 2 Corinthians 5.17. So if you will not be blinded by the lights, and we'll read it out loud. Yes, therefore, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So there are three questions over this oh, verse, and I'm going to wow. give you all three because you're up here and you're the brave one. So, if anyone be in Christ, they're what? They are a new creature. Awesome. Uh, what happens to the old things? All the old things are passed away. And what happened, or what things have become new? All things have become new. Boom. That's all. Nicely done. Well <laughs> I forget who I called it. Daniel, were you up next? If I could have you come up, please. And Nicole, if you will put up Ephesians 2, 1. And if you'll read that out loud, please, sir. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. What was your condition? And this is a super tricky one. What was your condition before you were born again or made alive? I was dead. Boom. <laughs> you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. Awesome. Uh, JD. You're going to read Ephesians 2.2, 2, sir. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. As an unbeliever, how did you walk or live? In disobedience. Exactly. You walked in disobedience and you walked according to the power of this world, according to Satan, basically. Thank you, sir. Priscilla. You are so funny. Yeah. You're so funny. Okay, I'm just kidding. If you'll read Ephesians 2.3. Ephesians 2.3. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And if you'll put up, actually, because I forgot to tell you, four and five. I love you. Thank you. You've got additional. Too. Hey, I like uh, the <laughs> bonus questions. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What is God rich in? Love and mercy. Absolutely. And mercy. Thank you. Okay. And Chris, if you'll put two four back up, please. Here you go, sir. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. Why is God so merciful? It's who he is. It's who he is. That's awesome. It's who he is. It says he's rich in mercy, but it, it's just his persona. It's who he is. I like that. I like that answer better than what they have. <laughs> so nicely done. What they had down is because of how much he loves us, but how much he loves us is part of who he is. I think that's a very succinct answer. Thank you, Chris. And then if you'll put up Ephesians 2.5, and I'll do that one. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So the question is, what did God do for us while we were still dead in trespasses and sins? Dixie said it exactly. He made us alive. And God saved us by uniting us together with Christ. And so I'm actually going to do the next one. Uh, so, Nicole, if you will put up 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. And I'm actually going to read this in the Message Bible. Don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in his kingdom. 
Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, use and abuse the earth and everything in it, don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. And I read this in a couple different translations, and this is the one that kind of stuck out the most for me, because the question, it, it doesn't require really a response except to think about it. Can you identify with any of this? Because I know that I can, people who use and abuse each other, we, uh, quite often we do that every day. Maybe not on purpose, but we'll hurt each other or do something wrong, and I know that I've done that. And so reading that, it's, you get to the end, and it's don't, that makes it so that we don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. That's a crap that stinks that hurts but here's the cool part if you'll put up first corinthians 6 11 a number of you know from experiencing or from experience what i'm talking about for not so long ago you were on that list and the question is is the word were a past future or present tense past it's over you were like that since then you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus, our Master, our Messiah, and by our God present in us, the Spirit. How cool is that? It says, the rest of the questions, basically, a lot of them deal with this verse. And so it says that we were cleaned up and that we were given a fresh start. That's what God gave us. He took all that we were, took Jesus covered us with that blood and his blood cleaned us and gave us a restart on that life, gave us a reset button that we can hit. Stink, that's so cool. And then 1 Corinthians six seventeen, But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. We are one with Jesus. And so all, those are all the questions. And Brian, I don't know if you'd like to come up now or... Okay, not yet. That's cool. <laughs> no, I think that for me, it's, it was a really difficult thing to grasp. Number one, that I was one with God. Like that, that to me just blew my mind because I knew that I loved God and I knew that I wanted to serve him and make him as pleased with me as he could. I wanted to be the well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I wanted. But to me, it was so disjointed in my head that I was one with him and that I could ever be fully cleaned of all of the mess that I had ever done, of all of the junk I had ever looked at, of all of the stuff I'd ever done to people to hurt them or cause them pain. And so I know for a really long time, it was like I was just constantly working, 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 working to try and make myself good, which is crazy because God has already done that. But it goes back to the three parts of us that there are. When we're not feeding our spirit and we're not inputting into that spirit world, that good spirit world, but we're just putting into our flesh and we're just putting in to what makes us feel good or doesn't make us feel good, it pulls us away from the reality of who we are. And I know that for me, I have been a lot in my life a very emotional person. And it's something that I've attempted to work on. And it's something that God is continuously giving me revelation on how to handle. But a lot of it is I would feel something. That was the first way that I ever felt connected to God is I felt connected. So I thought for a really long time that in order for me to be connected to God is I had to feel something. I had to be extra happy or feel really moved and just ball at the altar or I had to be overwhelmed by the presence of God 
to be connected to him. And so my identity became wrapped up in whether or not I could feel God in his presence or not. And I remember moving here, and I had undergone a lot um, back home and reasons for moving. And so there was a lot that was going on, a lot of pain that I felt had disconnected me from God. And I remember moving down here and talking to Nicole and Pastor Brian and saying that I didn't feel like I could hear from God anymore that I felt like that was broken and that I didn't know who I was. And I remember very, very specifically Nicole telling me that that was false and Brian telling me that that was wrong because it's not about feelings. It's not about what you're moved by. It's about the fact that you're already connected to him. It's about the fact that you're already one with Jesus. It says so. Your spirit, as soon as you accept God, your spirit is the same spirit you're going to have forever. But we need to learn how to not be moved by our flesh, how to not be moved by what we think we may like or not like, how to not be moved by emotion, but be moved strictly by the Spirit of God. And I can tell you that's not always the easiest thing. Because when you've had conflicting voices in your head of, no, you should be super angry right now, punch them out. Or it's a show love. The showing love is not always the most fun of options. And hitting people sounds like it would be way more fun. But that's not what's needed. I know yesterday, actually, at work, I had a lady come in and completely cuss me out up and down. And I told George afterwards, I'm like, it's been a really long time since that's happened at work. I kind of wanted to cry. And I didn't talk to anyone for about 10 minutes. And in that 10 minutes, I went through a whole bunch of different feelings of I wanted to go and find that lady back. And I was going to have a little conversation with her about how you don't use those words in a public establishment. And then I wanted to cry because it hurt me. But then I went to mourning in my spirit because that woman clearly doesn't understand the love of God. And it was a process to go through. But the real me and the real part of what's going to last forever always picks love, always picks forgiveness, always picks restoration. And I think that's so cool. When it comes down to if we're fighting about something in our head, what's the side that's love? What's the side that's going to last forever? Because anger, that's eventually going to go away. All these frustration things, they're eventually going to go away too, and you're going to feel real silly for wanting to cuss out this old lady that is now renting a car across the street from you. You're not going to want that anymore. You're going to want to love on them. And I think for me, that was the coolest part of this entire message as I was reading through it, was realizing that it's broken that down. And while I knew that it's different to hear it in, you're a spirit, you're a soul, you're a body. But it's totally a different thing to hear you have a body, you have emotions, and then you have the part of you that's going to live forever. The mental and emotional parts of you, your soul's going to live forever too, but it's going to be different. Your soul's going to be different when you get to God. Your soul's going to be changed when you get to heaven. But your spirit's already permanent. We already have that peace of Jesus in us. That's so cool. That's my commentary now, sir. Thank you. Welcome. So what I really like about this is let me, let me ask you this question. Before you uh, got born again, were you dead or alive? Alive. So... If you were dead, you were in the ground? 
All right? And when you get born again and God gives you life, right? See, here's the issue. We have this idea that life to us and death to us is always in the flesh. And the first base, the first foundation is that it's not, it's not always in the flesh. It's in the spirit. When we understand that first, so when we hear that Jesus wants to give us life and life overflowing, then we need to understand that that's not in the flesh first. Yeah. That's in the spirit first. And then if you would put up a Romans 8.11, and before you do that, put up Ephesians 2.1. <laughs> <laughs> Praying for our AV department today. See, you were dead in trespasses and sin. In other words, you were dead even though you were still walking around on this earth. So once you start to understand this, and then let's go to Romans 8, 11. Then, then once you understand this, it says, But the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Once you've received life, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies or to your fleshly bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So here, here's the thing. Once we start to understand this, see, if we, if we accept life just only in our bodies, and, oh, man, I feel so much better now that I've been born again, we're not receiving the fullness and the full mind renewal as to what God has done in us. I love, what I love about this series is that it, I haven't read through all of these yet. And yet what we're preaching lines up perfectly with what, and that's just the Holy Spirit lining all of this up, talking about a spiritual reality versus a fleshly or a physical reality. And so here's this point. And what's really interesting is you, the word that they used in there was degenerate. Once they sinned, their, their life started to degenerate. And I always found it very interesting because as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, the Average lifetime right after that was in what range? 900s, yeah. So they lived 900 years on the earth. And what I always find very interesting about that is it took 900 years to kill the perfection that God had made, even with sin in it. Yeah. It took 900 years. That's how well we were designed from the beginning and the only reason that we have a shorter lifespan today is because God spoke that man's life will be 120 years and I'm sure that's got something to do with his, with his plan but see we even look at that and, and right as I say that my thoughts are man why did he shorten our lives you know but he didn't shorten our lives he shortened physical life yep. see again we're always thinking about the flesh and that's what is always messing us up we're always putting the flesh first and the physical first instead of the spiritual first we've got to understand that when we die as born again believers it's gained to us this is, this is a huge thing, and you know, I was, I forget who I was talking to, or li I was listening to somebody, and I know what it was. A friend had a missionary in Mexico, and they had raised back from the dead like 27 people in their ministry. So they had died, they brought them back to life, and this is what they said. Every single one of them was mad at me and left the church. Because they were with Jesus, yeah. and they got brought, and this world was no longer very much fun to them when you've been with Jesus. Yeah. And they were all mad and left the church after they got their life, you know, given back to them. You know, 
And it's like, that's pretty funny. I don't think I would leave the church for that, but it, it's still pretty funny. It shows you just how much different it is to understand and enjoy a spiritual life. So then you go on, these guys, they live physically for 900 years, even after spiritual death occurs. And here's the thing. Why is it, if we go into that uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, says that we are now one spirit, and that Romans 8, 11 says that it's the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Now you are in one spirit with him, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. What's, what are we waiting on for healing as far as that goes? If he will bring life to our mortal bodies, do you see how far off we're like thinking healing some big great thing? And, it, and it's just a part of being in the life of God and being one spirit. When we connect these dots and really just grab a hold of that, we'll be like, yeah, healing, you know, bam. And every other piece of life that God has for us, it goes right back to what we've been talking about, the spiritual realities. And if we understood that what we see in the flesh is just such a small and little thing compared to what actually waits for us in the unseen realm, in the spiritual realm that God has laid up for us. So our, our identity in Christ always has to go back to what has God done to us spiritually. That's where our life is at. That's where life overflowing in the flesh generates from is that point. And so it's huge for us to grab a hold of that, know it, and and just run with it. And uh, I thought it was a great lesson. I think that was identity part one, is it, and there's part two. So looking forward to that next week as well. I think that for me, um, something that comes up is the fact that Satan always tries to, obviously he tries to deceive and manipulate everything. And he knows that since we're made in God's image, we're not stupid. Like we're just, we're not. So he knows that if he can inject a little bit of truth in there somewhere, but also just veer it off just like a little that we're just going to miss it. So for so often, people, I found that you can get people to believe in healing and they'll believe in that, but they're, rather than being like on point with God, it's like I believe in healing, but I'm not good enough to get that healing. And so they'll hear that bit of truth and then it factions off. And so it's like they know that they could have this, but then Satan messes with their identity of, but you're not good enough to get this. And so it's, if all of the truth can be pieced together, then obviously Satan would have nothing, but he's taken something as simple as reading the word of God and has convinced us, well, that's boring. That's studying. You don't need to do that. You can go to church and hear the same sort of a thing and just defers us off of that track. So if it's not, he's going to lie. It's He's going to lie and think that make us think it's a boring sort of a thing where it's not for us or we shouldn't do this so we can know who we are and then it's like, a, and you're detouring left when you should just be staying on that path. And so I found that a lot of people understand snippets of who they are, but they don't weave them together to get a full picture. It's, yeah, yeah I'm not supposed to live in lack, but... I, he's probably just trying to teach me something through this time, and so I'm just going to learn the lesson, and when the lesson's over, then I'll be living in abundance. Or I got sick because I did something, and blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's, re, it's a reality that Satan's kind of put upon us where we've been walking in the, in the things of this world, the verse that J.D. read to us, and we don't understand it because he's deceived us to that degree.
There's the verse that you read. Um, do you have your notes? One of them says that you are saved. I think it's Ephesians. Yes, Ephesians 2 5. It says, When we were dead in sins, in transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Not by your works, by grace you have been saved. And, and that by faith, faith in his grace is what made you alive in the spirit. And then you, you take that on into, because we know that salvation is more than just you know, going to be with Jesus for all eternity. We know that there's other things. It's a package deal. In other words, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's protection, there's restoration. There's all of these things that are included in being born again. Now you can start to see why those things are automatic, why it is a package deal, why when he said, I came to save you, he literally meant, I came to save you from everything. Yeah. In other words, if he's a savior and he He's the true sense of good in that word, then he came to save you from everything. That's why he can make statements that say, no evil will befall you. I will quench every fiery dart. With long life, I will satisfy you. Why? Because when he saved you, he changed the spiritual nature. He changed that life. That life is what brings life into every area of your life. In other words, it brings life into health. It brings life into finances. It brings life into protection. It brings life into everything. And so when we start trying to relate it back to how good I was this week, then we basically just step right out of yeah. grace and through faith. And that's why we'll be missing some of those things. And me too. I mean, I'm working on, I'm working on basically going, Brian, get yourself out of the way yeah. and let grace do what grace does, you know, and just believe and know that that life wants to. It's very natural for that life to overflow in me in every area of life. And uh, I was talking to somebody uh, this this week, and I was telling them, and, and I've not always gotten this right. Matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, I got pretty sick. But generally, as I've gotten a hold of this some years ago, I've seen less and less sickness, and if I ever did get sick, it would go away quicker and quicker, just using healing as an example. Because what would happen is, Here's here when we go back to this uh, reality check, the part two on Wednesday night, where we showed how what do you look like in the spirit, and and it shows that this body is basically surrounded by the spirit, and so when the spirit understands what it is and it's living through grace by faith, then that that spirit basically is a shield in itself to hold off things. So I can go at John G. Lake this something you don't just do flippantly, but it's not something that you ignore, all right? John G. Lake, uh, I believe it was with the Ebola virus back in the 1900s, early 1900s, and he, they have that virus that's killing everybody. He says, put it in my hand, and here's what he knew. He knew the spirit in him was greater than the spirit of that thing. Right. He knew that the Jesus was bigger in, bigger in him than that curse of that death. So they took it, they looked at it, all these live uh, bacteria and virus was alive in the microscope. They put 
put it in his hand. He knew that the life of God in his spirit was stronger than that. They put it back under the microscope and it had killed the virus. Yeah. Because the anointing through his spirit, the life in his spirit, the glory of God coming through him was stronger than that. And so here's where you start to get with this. Once you start understanding this, then it's like, look, put, I don't care. You know, I'll see people like, <coughs> and then they'll be like, beep, 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 backing up. You know, who cares? Yeah, yeah, hit the, you know, they'll take a bath with the, you know, sanitizer, sanitizer yeah, uh, hand sanitizer. So anyway, but here's the thing. What is that? That's a complete lack of knowledge lack of understanding of who you are in the spirit and then you wonder why you get sick because you know you do things like that it's actually moving in fear but when you understand who you are i'm like and this you know the lord really taught me this in business years ago i didn't realize i was prepping myself to basically fend off you know ungodly things but I can remember I would go I'd, I'd, in work I'd go into these plants and I'd have my khakis on to be sometimes nice and pressed and uh, so I'd walk in there and the guy the, I'd talk to the maintenance guy and he's like covered in grease and dirt and grime and he'd stick his hand out or I'd stick my hand out he's like oh, you don't want to you don't want to touch me I'm dirty and I'd be like no I do want to touch you I, I want I don't the grease will come off I can get new pants uh, you are what's important to yeah. me well see now I do that the same thing somebody will come in and they got all the spiritual garbage on them I'm not concerned about catching that stuff yeah I'm not concerned about it. Do I slip sometimes and miss it? And, you know, I have done that. Yes. Am I getting better and better at it? Yes. But we need to understand the real truth and start learning and operating by that. I don't care that you got a cold. I'm going to shake everybody's hand that walks out that door. I do not care because you're more important to me than that stupid virus or that stupid little sickness. And so when we start, not just Brian learns that, but all of us start operating like that, and we go into that situation, when we touch them, that thing goes, boom, because the anointing in you is stronger than it is in them. Well, we start having an effect in the world. That's what Jesus did. And see, Brian, isn't it's not that he's a more anointed man, and it's no. not that he's a more special man. It's not that John G. Lake was a more special pastor or anything like that. It's that they had knowledge of who they were. That's it. Identity. They knew who they were in God. They understood that the power of God's already there. No matter if Brian goes out and messes up bigger than he's ever messed up before today, he still has a rejuvenated spirit within him that's going to last forever. He's already unified with God and nothing's going to change that. So him shaking everybody's hands isn't that, well, Brian, Brian's the pastor. He's more anointed. And yeah, you hear stories about pastors that do different things and evangelists and whatnot. It's not that they have more God. It's that they know who they are and they believe it. And we can have the exact same thing. Tara could hold the Ebola virus and throw it on the floor and it would die. Exact same sort of thing. She knows who she is, and so that would have to go. The same power that's in Brian is in Tara, is in Sherman, is in Kristen. It's in all of us, and it's just a matter of realizing that Kristen could walk up to somebody in school who's having like some sort of attack or something. She could lay her hands on them, and it would have to stop because she has that same power. She just needs to know that she has that same power. She needs to know who she is 
through Jesus. That's all it boils down to. We go over the verse of my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of knowledge of who they are. Yes. And all I was going to say is those verses that we read, they were not for pastors. Mm -mm. They were for every believer. And when you start seeing that for your, there was nothing in any of those verses that said, this is for pastors only, everybody else stay away. There's nothing in there. It's talking about every believer. So, amen. I, we could go on with this. Yep. So we're going to close in prayer so that we don't. <laughs> God, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your word. And God, we just thank you that you have given us a new self, that you've given us life with you. That just as Jesus breathed into his disciples the Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit is also alive in us and has caused us to actually have purpose and to have life. And God, we just thank you for the service today. We thank you for not only the class, but the service that's to come. We pray for your anointing to fall in here. And we just pray that eyes are opened, hearts are ready, and that people just receive the way that they're supposed to. We just bless everyone here that hears this message, and we love you. In your name, amen. amen. Go get ready for service. Tabernacle, glory to the Lord.